This is Ubaldi Reports. I'm John. Just for those who are listening for the first time, I'm a 30-year combat Marine vet of Iraq and Afghanistan. With me is my good friend Joe Bitts, my co-host, who is also a retired combat veteran who received the Purple Heart in Iraq. And I also like to let our listeners know who are following from Heroes Media Group. It's a pleasure to have you listen to our podcast, and we hope you continue to listen to our podcast. And so how's it going, Joe? Great, John. And uh, so we're like in the the week two or three of the whole cancel culture that came after Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss, and are going after uh, a lot of things. However, just recently there was a Grammys and one of the performances was a Cardi B and it was like a bump and grind show. It was like the strip club uh, on TV or something like that. And a lot of people, including Candace Owens, was like calling them out, like saying, is this what is good for America when you take away this? And I was like thinking for a second. And Cardi B said something that I, I agree with. Is oh. that she says that the celebrities aren't really supposed to dictate what's good or bad for you. It's up for, it's up for you to decide that. And that kind of led me back to what has been going on is that. The publishing company that publishes Dr. Seuss's books, they're the ones that decided we're going to stop. It wasn't somebody from the outside or it wasn't a group of people saying you need to stop doing this. It was actually the business itself. Just the same company that decided to take Mr. Potato Head and put it Potato Head. A lot of the things, a lot of this cancel culture, especially last year around this time, my Uncle Ben's, it wasn't black Americans. It wasn't white Americans saying you need to stop this. It was just them in general either wanted to get ahead of the curve or maybe maybe they just thought they were maybe outgrown. There's two parts to that. I agree with what Carly Beat said. It's not for them. It's for you to decide for yourself. But a lot of times that's been taken away from us. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the cancel culture, you've look what happened last year where you have the social media companies dictating to what we're going to read and see. If they don't like something that has been said or something that has been shown, they will pull it. That's different. I don't agree with that. Why is that? Uh, because that is just them uh, expressing their opinion, their views on their platform, which they are able to do. Well, but see, the, the only part I disagree with that is what are, you said platform. Yeah. Are you a platform or are you a publisher? We've talked about that several times, but the, and the same reason why I disagree is it's not them editing their own content. It's them editing other people's contents. Whether I agree or disagree with that, that has nothing to do with it. The only reason I say cancel culture is part of that. You have this element that is being influenced. You get a lot of companies that get caught up in this woke issue, cancel culture, because they're afraid if they don't do it the way this group wants you to go, you can be labeled a racist or you can be labeled anti this or anti whatever. So they would rather, I don't need the lawsuits. I don't need the the protests. I'm just going to succumb to what this cancel culture wants. Yeah. And going into that, the cancel culture kind of point of view is I got to understand who is the, if there is a group, who is calling for it? And the, I would think that the groups that are saying something is racist is not coming from black, Hispanic, or minority Americans. I think it's actually coming from white people. And we talked about it in our last, one of our last shows, that white guilt. They're like, if that offends me and I'm white, that must offend someone of color. 
So we should get rid of it. But what you've got, it's even like during the protest over last summer. You have a lot of these white progressive elites coming into these communities and protesting, saying, oh, this is racist or whatever. And it's not coming from the black community. Mm -hmm. But even if it is, what is the standard now? Yeah. But that's when I finish this is what is the standard? I think that's up in the air. It's just, it's whatever. But, but see, right now, nobody's speaking out. And they've been polls and studies and surveys, and they said people are afraid to speak out because they don't want to be seen as racist. I know I mentioned this numerous times. There was a, from Jonathan Turley wrote a, a blog, I think it was today, there was two students, I think it was at the North Carolina University Law School, and they were debating about an issue, and someone took it the wrong way and said, well, that's racist. You're calling me a racist? And the person there said, no, he didn't say anything racist. You can't even have a conversation that goes into talking about race without someone throwing out the race card. So what is the dividing line? Yeah, maybe we should save this for another show. But I do want to talk about segregation prior and then segregation now. And I think it would be a, a definitely a good topic. That no, would be a good topic. But more, no, I think after, like you said, America canceling itself is, I think it's, do you think America is just going through like a phase? I don't know. Well, see, it's only a small minority that seems to have control. They seem to be pushing around the majority. And I don't like that. And it's just, but see, the point is, what is the standard? Nobody knows. Yeah. And it's almost akin to the early French Revolution. You had the early revolutionaries were taken out by the more radical of the revolutionaries. Biden or Joe Biden is actually going to give his first official press conference on the 25th of uh, March. Correct. And they did it. I think they were almost like sending out invites saying, hey, we're going to have a press conference this time. So make sure you have your questions in advance. Is it going to be like one of those, you're only going to pick on this person and they're going to only that, ask you that question? We don't know. As far as I know, they picked the date as the 25th. It's actually next Thursday, yeah. a week from today. And the problem with that is when Trump was president and most presidents in the past, they just called, we're going to do a press conference today. Or tomorrow we're going to do a press conference. Okay. So you really didn't have time to prepare. You just had to get a couple questions you want answered. Now they're giving the media full range to talk about everything. Now we don't know this, the, the makeup and how it's going to work. Is it going to be he's only going to call on a few of the press? Is he going to have what he's done in the past that you have to submit your questions to him? Okay. Is he going to call on certain news outlets and not others? Hmm. Is he going to limit it? to certain topics and not others. Because remember, when Trump was getting beat up by the press, he would take all questions from all comers. Yeah. Is Biden going to do the same, th same thing? Now, remember, there's a lot of things to be asked. There's the Keystone XL pipeline. Yep. There's how do you tell somebody who just lost their job on a Monday, Tuesday, what job are they going to? Where are those green jobs? Mm -hmm. Then there's immigration. He hasn't said anything about immigration. And it's a problem, a big it's, problem. It's is it a crisis or is it a challenge? Yeah. Then you've got the stimulus. It passed. Why is only, if it's such an emergency now, why is only 9% of the $1.9 going to the COVID? Where's the other 91% going? Why is it that some of the money won't be spent until 
2022 or 20 and 2024. Why did it need to be 1.9 trillion when there's already a trillion dollars that hasn't been spent from the previous COVID? And then there's China, Russia, the Middle East. There's a lot of issues. So we don't know how it's going to be set up, but I think it could be a detriment to Joe Biden because he's known for gaffes. He's not the best when it comes to extemporaneous speaking. Yeah. So if he stumbles, he's going to set himself the bar pretty high that if he doesn't meet it, it's not going to be a good look for him. No, and going with that, so a good question I thought would have been is does immigration policy and foreign policy, is that the same thing since it's not dealt with in the United States? Yes and no. It's a domestic issue because you're having illegals cross the border into the United States from Mexico. But it's a foreign policy issue because they're coming from Central America. And Joe Biden said that he would give billions of dollars to the Central American countries in the Northern Triangle. When Donald Trump was president, he did give money to the Northern Triangle, but he put he put stipulations. You must do X, Y, Z. And those countries were trying to implement that joe biden didn't put any strings attached well then also they're i guess they're i don't know if they're forcing but they're telling the dallas convention center in texas to open up because they got three thousand young teenage hispanic because one of the reports is they're finding out is the migrant children are coming to the united states with an address pinned to them so they can these are relatives or people that they have in the united states so what they do is they try to verify that and they move those kids over so they're coming in by i think there was 300 i think a month in january or february now we're up to almost a thousand so it's is it a crisis or a challenge and that's something everybody including the media is addressing is that they are calling it a crisis it just because it just seems once Biden took office and he's just, hey, guess what? Open season. Come on in. His rhetoric during the whole campaign, if you go back to 2019 in June, the moderator asked all the Democratic candidates, would your health care proposal include giving free health care to illegal immigrants? And everyone raised their hands. Then he said, come on up. We'll take you. If you're a refugee, that's who we are. Come mm-hmm. on up. And now he says, don't come now. Wait till we're ready for you. Mm-hmm. But then the other question is, Trump allowed the press to go on ride-alongs and allowed the press into the detention facilities. Joe Biden said he wants to be the most transparent president, but he has refused to allow the press to go. And when one of the press spokesmen or press individuals, reporters, as his press secretary, Jen Psaki, can we go? And he goes, you have to defer to Homeland Security. You run Homeland Security. Yeah. So it's it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Isn't it going to be isn't going to be telling that eventually when the news doesn't get what they want or answers to the questions that they are asking, they start looking and then they start looking, they start finding things that the person that they were originally wanted to ask, it really doesn't want them to find out. And well, eventually pictures are going to get out. They yeah, always do. You know, and that's something I'm ready. I think the media is starting to hit a boiling point where they're going to start turning on Joe. And I really think that they will do whatever they can to get a different person in come 2024, just because the more coverage they can get of that person, the more. The problem for the media is they did this to themselves. Yeah. They never vetted Joe Biden. He wasn't a great campaigner during the primaries. He got saved by James Clyburn because they didn't want Bernie Sanders. So, so they did it to then throughout the camp presidential campaign. They didn't ask him any tough questions. They didn't 
challenge him. Hey, why don't you sit down for interviews? They just gave him softball questions. So it doesn't seem like Joe Biden is actually, and he was, when he was vice president, he was in charge of foreign policy. Is that correct? On certain aspects, yes. He was in charge of the Iraq drawdown. Okay. And his foreign policy isn't going so well. Uh, A few weeks ago, he bombed Syria. He, not just recently, he just called out Putin saying that he was a killer. Or for something that he did? Well, if you go by Robert Gates, who was the Secretary of Defense under both George W. Bush Jr. and Barack Obama, and in his book, Duty, stated, Joe Biden's been wrong on every foreign policy decision in the last 40 years. Yeah. Well, then he was interviewed last year, and the reporter asked him, do you stand by then? He goes, Joe Biden's a nice guy, but I stand by my statement. Yeah, and with him putting Kamala in charge or in the reins when it comes to foreign policy, what is it that we're like, what is it we're going to see or what is it that we're looking at? That's one thing we don't know because Kamala Harris has no foreign policy experience. Right now she's getting foreign policy 101, getting Mm -hmm. briefed up. So you have Joe Biden, then you have Kamala Harris. She's making call to world leaders. So we really don't know. Now you've got Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan. Anthony Blinken is the Secretary of State. Jake Sullivan is the National Security Advisor. And Joe Biden's foreign policy team, I'm not sure who's part of it, but the senior elements of that team are meeting with the Chinese, I think, today or at least the next couple days up in Alaska. China wants to come to get rid of the Trump policies. And Joe Biden wants to say, hey, you guys are acting very dangerously how you treat the people of Hong Kong, the yeah. Uyghurs, they're south, militarizing the South China Sea, stealing our intellectual property. So we'll have to see how this plays out. Biden have an American first mentality. That's a tough to quantify. And I'm not saying he's not a... Uh, let me give you an example. Trump was all about giving the same tariffs that China was giving us to benefit more money into America, making more America more prosperous, where all Biden cares about is making sure that the people in China are taken care of. I think what Joe Biden is doing is going back to the Barack Obama foreign policy, because all the key players who are there are now in the foreign policy establishment for the United States now. And what they want to do is take a multi multinational approach by using the international organizations like the UN, the World Health Organization, when it comes to the coronavirus. And Trump pulled us out of the World Health Organization and our $450 million because the World Health Organization under President Tetros who is from Ethiopia, is not a medical doctor. And they just allowed China to do whatever they wanted. They gave false information to the world bodies yeah. about the only, about the, the origins and the spread of the coronavirus. The only country that did really well was Taiwan because they have their intelligence and they knew something was going on. In, so they contacted China and they just get them press reports and they said, okay, so they stopped any flights coming in from China. So we'll have to see how this plays out in the weeks and months ahead. So how involved are prior or how are prior presidents, how involved are they in how America is changing with the current administration. And the one thing I'm relating this back to is that considering the incident that happened in Atlanta with the mass shooting, Barack Obama said he's calling for stricter gun control. Normally in our history, once a president leaves office, they really don't comment on the previous, the, the new occupant of the White House. Okay. That kind of changed when, a little bit when Bill Clinton 
left the White House, but it really changed under Donald Trump. Barack Obama became more of an activist and was very involved. Sometimes, and a lot of times he wasn't, but a lot of times he was Mm -hmm. on certain aspects of it. And I just, I'm having... I still don't think Biden is the one in charge. There's a question for that. There's a lot of people who have the same sentiments because he hasn't had a press conference in a number of months or at least 55 days. It just goes to that speculation that Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Kamala Harris are running the show. Because remember, he said he was going to govern with unity and the sides together. He's alienated even Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, was interviewed by Brett Baer, and he said, you talked about bipartisanship. They sent 10 Republican moderates. Joe Biden listened, but he didn't do anything. He just said, okay, thank you, get lost. And their unity is, accept what we do as bipartisanship, but you have no voice. So how long into usually a presidency when a president just starts hopping on Air Force One and says, let's go take a look at this country? When does he start making his tour around the world? It all depends on each president. We'll have to see where Joe, I can't remember when the first time presidents made a trip, but they've done it fairly quick. Yeah. So there's no schedule when Joe Biden's going to leave to go tour around the world. But remember, there are certain summits that he has to be part of. There's the NATO summit. There's the G7 summit. There's a lot of things that the United States and the president of the United States has to attend. But is he just going to say, oh, I can't go, COVID? Yeah, now you can probably, because of, but as things open up, he can't get away. I could see him doing that for the first maybe year or two, but, no, but not the entire four years. This year, maybe. Next year, no. Okay. No. Going in with that, did you hear Did you hear our former Senator Bill Nelson is going to be heading, being our former Senator Bill Nelson is going to be the head of NASA. Did you hear about that? I didn't hear about that, but he did fly to... I think he flew on the space shuttle. Yeah. And he said he's always been very positive about, you know, being having a NASA program, especially being down here in Florida. But under Obama administration, wasn't NASA kind of shrunken? Oh, yeah. NASA was shrunk considerably. We ended the space shuttle and we started flying rockets out of Russia. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, yeah, because we don't like Russia, too. Yeah. So Russia doesn't know what technology we have. So we got to use Russian rockets to get our stuff into space. That's Brilliant. With the current SpaceX and other space companies here in the United States, it's been commercialized now that NASA is there. They don't make or build the rockets, but they say, hey, this company that's making them, you can have all this and we'll just contract you out. It'll be interesting to see where they're going. Barack Obama really cut back on NATO, ended a lot of things, but like I said, moved our rock. Our satellites had to go get flown into orbit by using Russian rockets. It would be great to do a private-public partnership. But we need to have what's NASA's mission. Some people are talking about we want to go to the, the back to the moon or back to Mars. It doesn't seem like NASA is controlling who goes where. It's Elon Musk is like, all right, hey, I'm going to build a rocket and it's going to go to Mars and I'm going to launch it off Cape Canaveral. And they're oh, OK. That's what I mean. There's no private public partnership. and we There's no direction for where. NASA's going. What's their mission now? And that needs to be established. 
Uh, I definitely just look forward to what's going on with NASA. No, uh, I would too, because a lot of technology came out of the us going into space, the mm-hmm. going to the moon, building the space shuttle. But we just need to have direction where we're trying to go with NASA. And I don't know what we're, I don't even think we know. Yeah, we don't. Or we, as in you and I, don't. <laughs> no, but I don't even think the greater public knows or even the government knows. What are you trying to do? And then I heard this out of Michigan is that I guess with online learning, there are a lot of absences from, and now they've started issuing truancies to students of of the to the family of that student, and I, I just don't think they've quite grasped the concept of what exactly is going on now. I don't think a lot of people grasp the concept. The key is get the schools open. Yeah, the the Center for Disease Control says it's safe. The, the infection rate is extremely low among children. It, you can go to school without the vaccination. You can go to school. Teachers can go to school without the vaccination. Yeah. You can distance learn. We've done it successfully here in Florida since the schools have been open since August. After And there hasn't been one reported case of COVID in the schools from an administrator, staff, or student. Get the schools open. Because kids are losing. Right now, kids are going to lose about a full year of schooling. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it's how is the kid to blame? And, and we've always talked about this with our, you know, usually our favorite subject, education, and it being that there's a lot more things going on in the computer. If the if there's a low Wi-Fi signal, even if, if they have a computer at all. And then a but, lot of the questions was coming up is what about the parents? Guess what? The parents are probably at work and they have to somehow leave their kid at home and let them do it. Or how many parents had to leave work to stay home with their children? So I actually, we, Cash and I, we went on like a little trip down to the beach. And I guess there was this honeymoon couple. And one of them was a French teacher in Iowa. And I was asking her about the schools and she's like, yeah, everybody's going, but there's still some online stuff like that. And one of the questions came up is that one of the students was suffering because the mother had, you know, was working and even working at McDonald's. And he was berating the money, berating the mother because he's, I guess, money is more important than your children's education. And I thought for a second, I, I said, I'll, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that because she's working at McDonald's for a reason. She needs to make that money in order for her and her family to survive. She's probably a single mother. Maybe the state's not helping her as much, or maybe she just may, is not in that threshold where she's going to get assistance. Just parents like that, they're still out there. They're thriving. Some of them lost jobs when they have to go, they have to go to something that is willing to give them money, no matter how much it is. I got a friend of mine who she's a single mom to a 10 year old. She told me if it wasn't, if I had to do online learning, I would have had to quit my job because mm-hmm. I don't have anybody to be home with my child. I cannot leave a 10 year old at home by himself. Is she in Florida? She's in Florida, but I mean, but... She'll look at the rules a little bit better. Yeah, but okay, but even okay, you're going to leave a 10-year-old by themselves, and they're going to be on a computer for eight hours a day? Okay, I can't really talk in this subject. I'm kind of guilty of that. But we, I think, but it could be this just like that dynamic that we were fortunate that 
when the first like few days of online learning, one of us was at home. Yeah, so you, because you come from a two-parent family, but yeah. if you're a single mother and you've got to work to pay your bills, and how many families across America or how many families have got two parents, okay, even if for you and your wife. Yeah. Let's say you had to have some, someone's going to have to lose their job. Somebody's going to have to be at home. There's actually a lot of, some of the dynamic has changed a little bit where, and I've heard about this on some different radio shows, that where a, a collective of parents would get together and they would hire somebody to teach their children. And it, it's almost like the entire classroom setting would be at a person's house. No, yeah, I've heard of those too. But a lot of changes. But the key is get the schools opening. And when they start to do the achievement testing or standardized testing, I think you're going to see American children are going to be very going to have a hard time. They're going to have the achievement gap is going to be huge. So one of the things our governor did is he got stimulus money. And the thing is that the federal government cannot dictate what he wants to do, what he can do with that money. So basically he says, okay, we're going to take all this money and we're going to put it over here for a rainy day fund. So he's, so where they had maybe one or $2 billion in case of for spending and stuff like that. After the stimulus, he's going to have $6 billion just sitting in the coffers just in case there's an increase in spending, teachers or whatever emergency might come up, especially during a hurricane. So, Well, the other problem is like for Florida, the unemployment rate is only like 4.9. Yeah. You go to California, they have the third highest unemployment rate in the nation outside of Nevada and Hawaii. Nevada and Hawaii is tied to the public, the service sector, hospitality industry. So as a good move is to save some money. Just like when you get a stimulus check, what did you do with it? I paid off some bills, savings, or whatever you're going to do with yeah. it. Last thing about California is that they're opening up Disneyland. Yeah, but the schools, because Gavin Newsom, the current Democratic governor, says he's making, getting recalled. Yeah, but he, he's also hard. He said the schools can open, but he's given caveats to the teachers' unions that give him $1.1 million in, in the last election cycle, at least for his. Uh, his election to governor in yeah. 2018. So, uh, but with that, with them opening up Disney World, a few things, or I'm sorry, Disneyland, a few things is that they can only go to 15% capacity, masks, the CDC guide, all the COVID guidelines and stuff like that. Except one more thing you cannot do in Disneyland is you can't scream. So I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it's just a mess. So as we go, now as we wind this podcast down, the question I have what what question out there are you most concerned about? What political issue are you most concerned about? So if you could let us know by emailing that to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. Again, what political issue are you most concerned with? You could also go to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Type in Ubaldi Reports. Or you can go to Ubaldi Reports group on Facebook. And again, let us know what political issue are you most concerned with. Here's Media Group. And then I also like to let our listeners who are listening from Heroes Media Group, thank you for chiming in and listening to Ubaldi Reports. We always love to have you. Also, let us know what you think of this podcast so we can 
answer some questions and also discuss issues that you're most concerned with. And now, Joe, we also are going to do, before I get to, to Joe's has, we're also going to be doing something in April. We're going to live stream this podcast. The first one we do is probably going to be around the third. And what we're going to do is do a soft launch, which is going to describe who Joe is, a retired combat wounded Marine from Iraq. We're going to talk about my background, being in the Marines, combat retired. And then the second week, we're going to do this official launch on a particular topic that is hot for that day, so it has some legs to it. But now Joe also has something that we're also going to do in April. Yeah, in the beginning of April, we're going to have our Patreon, where for uh, whatever tier you decide to sign up on, you are going to get an extra episode of the show, but it's going to be called Ubaldi Reports Declassified, where we get a little uncensored and we get a little bit more opinionated on the current things that are going on. And John and I are looking forward to that, especially giving you our utmost unfiltered, unrefined opinion. Everybody, keep on listening, and thank you, and have a great day. Yeah, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.